This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morrison. This week, pitchers and catchers report for spring training in Major League Baseball. And the Bobcats begin their regular season Sunday in Southern California. We preview their season, plus our Bobcats of the week come from the track and field programs, and a pair of twins shined for the Alpine skiing teams. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. The men's basketball team defeated Trinity 65-48 on Friday to wrap up the regular season. Junior Nick Lynch tallied a double-double with a game-high 16 points and a game-high 13 rebounds. The Bobcats went on a 16-0 run late in the game to put away the Bantams, keyed by Lynch's terrific performance. Gilpin off a screen from Lynch. Finds Hummel, now top of the key for Greenalch. Greenalch on the drive, finds Lynch down low, layup, good, and the foul! Gilpin on the move, hand off Greenalch. Gilpin top of the key. Gilpin to Lynch, along two, yes sir! Nick Lynch again! What was the key to victory? You had a double-double, what was working so well for you out there on the court? I think really the key to victory was just one more pass. Trinity is really great, help side D, but we tired them apart a little bit on the one more, making sure we had open shots, and we made made them today. So seems like for you, once you get that first jumper to go down, it seems like you're really comfortable, right? How important was it to get that first jumper to go down here today? Oh, it's huge. Yeah, I would definitely say that's that's the biggest shot because once you get one, you know that the defender has to change their style a little bit, and you're able to work with them a little more or take the jumper again. You feel it. And your teammates were knocking down some threes today. That must look good for you to see, right? Oh, huge. That opens up the floor so much. Everything else works well when we're shooters do well. You played Trinity the first game of the season, and this game obviously went much differently. So, yeah. I mean, I know it was forever ago, but what was the main difference, you think? Uh, I think we all developed as a team, honestly. Um, we kind of figured out our strengths and weaknesses, how really to utilize each player at best. And just defense, I think, got a lot stronger throughout the season. And that's definitely thanks to practice over and over throughout the year. Really pounded that in there. Bates finished tied with Bowdoin and Trinity for eighth place in the NESCAC with the conference record of four and six. But due to the tie-breaking process, the Bobcats did not qualify for the NESCAC tournament. The Bates men finished with an overall record of 12 and 12. The women's basketball team fell at Trinity on Friday and finished their season with an overall record of 7 and 17. Nina Davenport wraps up her career with 1,273 points, the fifth most in Bates women's basketball history. Now it's time to talk to our Bobcats of the week. Senior captain Jack Kiley broke the men's track and field program record in the 1,000 meters at the BU Valentine Invitational on Saturday, finishing in 2 minutes, 26.30 seconds. He joins the Bobcast to reflect on the performance. Yeah, it definitely feels uh, it's really good good to have that happen. Um, you know, the, the two record holders that were before me uh, were both of my teammates. Mark McCauley uh, was a senior when I was a freshman, and then Greg Heller was a junior when I was a freshman. And uh, Mark had it when I got to school, and then Greg tied it uh, his or senior year. Um, and, you know, they were both guys that I really looked up to on and off the track, um, really good training partners. And uh, to run a time that's faster than that and just be up there is really uh, it's proud, yeah, proud to have that happen. So 
And the main event, your well, individual event at least, you're aiming for in terms of competing at nationals is the mile run. Yes. How does the 1,000 meters running it at you know at BU or at other places help you train for that? Well, you know, obviously it's a shorter event, so you run faster. Um, but it's it's good because I guess it's a good strength builder. You know, it's if you run like a really fast thousand time, and then the next time you run the mile, you're going to go out and you're just going to be feeling more relaxed and you can kind of pace yourself through uh the first half of the race feeling as pretty much relaxed as you can and then when it times when it comes time to actually grind and you know the second half of the race um you can you can put the burners on um you know mile and the thousand are they're similar but they're also very different i mean one's i mean the miles 600 are more than 600 meters longer um so there's a lot of time in that for for a lot of movement to happen but um you know, to go out there and run that fast in a thousand, I think I'm setting myself up pretty nicely for uh, the mile next week at Division Threes in Middlebury. So definitely excited for that. Yeah, the New England uh, Indoor Division Threes coming up this weekend. Um, what it, what is that event like compared to maybe other meets? So that um, I mean, apart from the state of Maine meet, I think that's the the best meet of the season. Um, you have obviously teams from all over New England come to compete. Um, and you just get really, really competitive fields. Uh, I know this year in the mile, there's, you know, there's really talented guy from MIT. There's a guy from Middlebury. There's a guy from Bowdoin. There's a guy from Williams, Tufts. Like that, I could keep naming teams, but you know, there's going to be a lot of good competitors out there. And you know, uh, it's good to have the confidence of running well going into a meet like this. So I know that I can, I can run with each and every one of those guys. So when it comes time to toe the line, I'm. I'll be confident and ready to go. Yeah, I understand. And then, Miles, you're right there in the qualifying space right now. Break us down for us how that works in terms of who qualifies. So, basically, it's uh, top 15 individuals go per event, and I believe it's top 12 relays. So, right now, I'm sitting 14th in the mile, um, and that was a time from the state of Maine indoor uh, meet, which was two weeks ago. Uh, I ran 414 on a flat track, which converts to like a 411 mid on a bank track. Um, and this year nationals is held at, in Alabama on a bank track, which is, it's usually on a flat track. So, um, that makes it, if you run on a flat track, it's going to, you're going to have a faster qualifying time. So, um, Middlebury will have a flat track and they've got a really, really nice facility. Um, so I'm hoping that with the competition there and the nice facility, I can have those two mesh pretty well and hopefully run faster than what I did at the uh, state of Maine meet. Well, when you're in the mile as part of a relay or just individually, what are some similarities, differences in terms of that? Well, um, the thing about the relay is you never know where you're going to get the baton. Um, so you could get it in front of people by about 10 meters. You get it behind people by 40 meters or whatever. So it's really like your your race strategy comes – it's not like you, you know what you're going to do before you, you tell the line. Like with the mile, like I know that I would – like, if I'm going to run fast, I'm going to try to key off someone for the first half of the race, be as relaxed as I can, and then when it comes time to actually start racing to the finish, you know, I'll make a move. But in the DMR, all that kind of goes out the window because you never know where you're going to get the baton. Um, and that kind of happened uh, this past weekend at BU. Um, but, you know, situations like those, they're really good for uh, experience because, you know, you know, when it comes to the national meet, uh, anything can happen. So you have to be ready for anything, and you have to be ready to – put your best effort out there no matter what. When you got to compete at Nationals last year, what was that experience like for you? Uh, it's definitely a good learning curve. Um, you know, we were ranked pretty high. I think we were ranked third going into the National Meet in the DMR. 
And, uh, you know, unfortunately, we placed 10th, so two spots off the All-American top eight. Um, and I think a lot of that came down to my mile leg. You know, I raced it kind of, you know, since we had such a high, like, uh, seed time and we are like, in the top three, you know, I kind of, like, told myself, like, I got to be at the front. And uh, I was talking earlier about being patient for the first half of the mile, um, but at NCAAs last year, I was definitely not patient. I took it out. Uh, I was kind of erratic, didn't have a smooth pace. In the last 600, I paid for it, and everybody came up from behind me. Um, you know, and, and in the moment, that was just totally devastating. But looking back on it, it's I'm happy that it – well, not happy that it happened, but I can at least learn from yeah. it and know that if, if I do make it back to the NCAA meet this year, I uh, can learn from my mistakes and hopefully capitalize on another another chance to maybe get that All-American status. And the DMR team is fairly similar to last year's. You lost Pat, you lost Pat Griffin to graduation, but Mark Fusco stepped right in, right? Yep. You know um, – my uh, whole philosophy on on this, like since high school, has been next man up. Yeah. Um, and you know, we lost Pat. He was a great runner. Really, like he made it to nationals in the eight hundred, the last outdoor. Um, and you know, have, not having him this year has been tough because he was a really, you know, physical, aggressive runner, and he was our leadoff flag. And he usually put put the relay where it needed to be uh, to be successful. So it's been of a been of a bit of a learning curve for the rest of the squad. You know, Rob has moved up from the 800 to the 1200 leg now. Um, and the leadoff leg of the DMR is very important because, you know, you're jostling for position and you're setting up your teammates to run well. Um, but I think Rob's done a really good job of adapting to that. Um, you know, unfortunately, he did get tripped up at BU, and you, you never like to see that happen. But um, I know when it comes down to crunch time, you know, probably at Tufts last chance, that we're going to have a team that we can put out there and, and really run well. Because, you know, Mike Soma, the 400 leg, he was with us last year at Nationals. Um He's back to where he was, so I'm, I'm hoping that he'll he'll keep moving forward in a good direction. And then our last, uh, so I mentioned Rob. He's the 1,200 leg, the leadoff leg, and then it's Mike Soma, the 400 leg, and then the 800 leg this year instead of Rob has been Mark Fusco. Um, and, you know, Mark's just one of the most crazily, he's, he's a crazy talented guy. Um, and I think that uh, he, he's he been chomping at the bit to have his moment. Um, last year is kind of a unfortunate that he wasn't on that dmr team because he you know was just as talented as any any of the rest of us but the way the pieces fell he wasn't on the team but this year he's got his chance and um like i said about rob i know when it times when the time comes to to really run that time that'll take us to nationals he's going to be the guy that's going to help us do it we mentioned you know rob i mean getting tripped up with a couple other runners i mean i'm surprised it doesn't happen more often you guys are all running so close together right? yeah well I'll, <laughs> I'll give you a funny little story about that so at nationals last year um this, he wasn't our, one of our teammates, but the 800 leg, he, you know, it was like a pretty tight pack. You know, people are running. It's still competitive. He dislocated his shoulder, like the first hundred of the 800. Oh. And, you know, there was this kind of like blood curdling scream. And, you know, we're like, what the hell is happening? Excuse my French. <laughs> um, and I look, I look and I see this guy kind of just like dogging it. You know, he's like kind of leaning over. And then I realized that his shoulder was dislocated. And, you know, he... He popped it right back in, and he, he ended up running a really good time, and he set his team up well for um, their eventual All-American place. But, you know, that just kind of goes to show that when – and these realize anything can happen, and you need to be ready to adapt because, you know, when people are out there and they're in their competitive groove, you're going to get you're gonna get jostled, and uh, that's just part of the game. So what event will you be participating in at New England D3 is coming up? The mile and anything so, else? Definitely the mile. Yeah. Um, you know, we're going to meet with Coach Fresh yeah. later today and talk about uh, the various athletes that are going and 
how we can capitalize on on who's going and, and which event and how we're going to get the most points. Um, if we're being honest, I think I'll be in the mile and either the thousand meters or the eight hundred, unless Coach Fresh wants to run um, like fresh-ish relays. Mm. Fresh meaning like not too tired. Yeah. Um, so if we're running a relay, I might be a four by eight uh, relay option, but you know, Fresh might also just want to stick to the individual events because yeah. uh, a lot of the guys that haven't qualified for Div Three, some of the freshmen, um, I'll give. Ryan Nealis a shout out. Uh, he's been running really well this year. Um, unfortunately, he didn't qualify in the mile. Um, he might be qualified in the 800, but I think uh, Coach Fresh's plan for him is probably gonna, you know, take kids like Ryan that haven't qualified but are freshmen and still running well and put them in the relays mm -hmm. so they can at least get that experience of running at a like the level or caliber meet that is D Division threes. Um, and you know, it's always great when you get to bring the freshmen along too because yeah. they. You know, every year they, they just bring that new energy to the team, and, you know, it's really good to see them run as long as they possibly can to get the most experience out of their freshman year. All right, Jack Kiley, our male Bobcat of the Week. Thanks so much. Thanks, Aaron. The number nine nationally ranked women's track and field team got three big performances from first-year Jenny Martin at the Valentine Invitational. The Lewiston native won the second section of the 60-meter hurdles with a time of 9.32 seconds, a personal record that moves her into a tie for second on Bates' all-time performance list. She ran the 200-meter dash in 26.18 seconds, moving her into eighth place in the record books, and she was part of a 4x400 relay team that moved into ninth place in Bates history with a time of 4 minutes, .20 seconds. And for that, Jenny Martin is our female Bobcat of the Week. Well, Jenny, first of all, Lewiston High School, coming to Bates. What made you decide to stay home and come to college where you ran a little bit when you were in high school as well? Well, I really love the Lewiston community, and I've been really involved in the past five years in coaching a summer track program. So I figured I'd stay around just so that way I could be here to help other kids out. And because it's so close to like my family, my brother always needs me home to help him out too. So that's why I decided to stay here. Growing up, you were obviously very familiar with Bates. What were some of your impressions from afar compared to where now you're actually in the school? Um, from afar, I thought it was going to be really unattainable to come here Like when I was younger. Um, just because people didn't really talk a lot about college when I was growing up. But then, as soon as I got older, got into high school, my aspirations uh, counselor, he was telling us that we could really go for anything that we wanted to. And he's actually the one who convinced me to apply. And since I've been here, I've just I've loved the entire experience with everything I've wanted and more. Great. When did you start running hurdles? Um, in seventh grade. I was 12. My favorite coach, Carolyn Court, she was an alumni from here. Yeah. Um, she taught me how to do it, and she told me I had a knack for it. So I figured I'd just stay and keep on trying to do my best. So Carolyn Court, former Bates coach, coached you then? Yeah. Okay. She coached me all throughout middle school and high school. Great, great. And so what was that experience like? What did she teach you? Um, she's an amazing woman. I love her. She taught me to really like um, persevere and try my hardest no matter what. Even if I have a bad week, go ahead and take it on the next meet and I would just keep trying. Great. Now, this past meet was great for you. New PR on the 60-meter hurdles. What was working so well? I mean, obviously, it's a very short race. I'm really not sure what went on. I just think I felt really relaxed. I didn't know who I was running with, so there's adrenaline mix with just being excited about getting things done and just having the chance to compete. This looked like a huge meet. I was looking at the results. Like, so many people were there, right? Yeah, there were a lot of girls there. Like, in the 200, there were 243 girls who ran. So that was intense. What was it like doing? You, do three, you did three events there, right? Yeah. Uh, are, are hurdles your favorite, or what's the differences and similarities between the events? Um, hurdles are my absolute favorite thing. Yeah. Um, just because like it's not boring, you get to like jump over things. It's always something new. Yeah. Um, the 200's not my favorite, but I'm growing to love it. And the 4x4, that's just something I kind of get thrown into, <laughs> and I run it for fun. 
And the relay, I mean, obviously that is a little bit longer of a race, right? What, what are some adjustments you make for that? Um, I went out too hard at this time, actually. I ran the first 200 like it was an actual 200 race instead of a 400. So my adjustment was just trying to keep the speed the entire time, which I'm not really used to doing because usually 55 hurdles and 60 hurdles, they're all out. A 400 is a pace, and I'm not very good at that. So. Gotcha. What's been the biggest difference for you coming from high school now to college in terms of a track perspective? Mainly just the big time commitment. Um, in high school, we practice maybe like an hour and a half. We're generally here for like two, two and a half hours every day, so it's just like finding the time to get everything done. And then you mentioned academically, obviously, Bates is a very you know, high academic school. What's what's the adjustment like on, on that perspective? On that perspective, I've pretty much kept everything the same. Um, I took a lot of APs in high school, so I was kind of used to like the different um, work ethic and like how much time I had to invest in studying. Granted, I watch a lot of Netflix now, <laughs> but I make sure I have everything done. <laughs> so... Right, right. And then, um, you know, how does it feel to be tied for second all-time at Bates in that 60-meter hurdle? Um, amazing. I wasn't really expecting that ever because um, I hit, like, a wall after the first meet and just hitting the 9-3, just it blew my mind. <laughs> great, great. And then um, what are some of your goals now going forward? Uh, obviously, New England are coming up, right? Um, I really just want to keep PRing and hitting personal bests, and that's really the only thing I have in store right now. Excellent. And what's the team been like so far, you know, in terms of from a college perspective, you know, working with, you know, people who are, you know, a few years older and have been here for a few years? The team is very, like, encouraging. They're actually like a family because, like, I missed um, two months of the preseason because I was injured. And they all just, like, welcome me back. It's like a really big, like, team building and family experience. Great. Uh, any other thoughts on the year so far? I'm excited that we're halfway done. <laughs> very excited. And I'm excited for short term and for what uh, Outdoor Track's going to bring. Excellent. Well, Jenny, your female Bobcat of the Week, thanks so much. Thank you. The Alpine and Nordic skiing teams combined to finish 7th out of 17 schools at the Dartmouth Carnival over the weekend. Sophomore Kaylin Woods continued her outstanding season with a career-best 6th place finish in the Classical Technique race for the women's Nordic team. Meanwhile, the Alpine teams pulled off a cool feat in the slalom, with sophomore Griffin Mueller placing 12th to lead the women and her twin brother, Taggart Mueller, pacing the men with a 20th place finish. And now, the twins talk to the Bobcast. I would say less of a rivalry and more of we were doing things all the time together and um, learning from each other. I would say Tag took the win on a lot of things in our childhood and was always going fast and doing things in a great way. Tag, how did you view the dynamic? I thought it was a great dynamic. Um... I always knew that Griffin was right there behind me, and I knew that if I ever let up, she would just crush me. And so I think I tried to push myself as hard as possible, and I think that uh, helped both of us really grow. Great. Were there any other siblings in the household? Uh, nope, just us. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So what made you, maybe independently or together, decide to come to Bates? It kind of was just something that happened. We were both looking at similar schools because... We had, um, you know, strong academic interests, and we wanted to ski in college. So um, we applied to very similar schools, and the process was kind of, okay, like, this place is awesome, and I'm going, and okay, I, I guess I'm going too. <laughs> have you all ever been to Maine before? Um, Once before when we were very, very yeah. young, but never for an extended amount of time. How does it compare to Vail? Ooh, it's got its ups and downs. Um, love the conditions for racing out here. It's fantastic. 
last year, you know, both of your first years, you got to ski um, uh, with the team and everything, and Michaela Holland, her first year as a coach. So what was that like entering the program like that? That was awesome. Um, as first years and getting a new coach, we actually got to interview some of the pros- prospective oh, yeah. uh, coaches. And I think we really had a great initial connection with Michaela, and she's brought so much excitement and so much energy onto this team that it's I think it's really, really helped it out. You weren't able to ski last year because of an injury. What were you doing? What were you learning while you were sidelined, sort of? Yeah, I had a rough winter last year just because um, I had a full ACL reconstruction. Um, I learned a lot, and I think a lot of it was patience, and a lot of it was fight and drive and knowing that this was still the place I wanted to be and still what I was working to get back towards. Um, it was uh, it was a rough semester, but um, doing rehab back here and having my team here kind of with me and being able to watch them was definitely a big part of why I came back so strong. Yeah, full ACL reconstruction. So what was it like to get back on the skis for the first time after that? Um, it was the most amazing thing, um, getting back on snow. It was every moment that, um, sucked or that was hard, uh, leading up to it was a hundred percent worth it. And it was one of those things that before I got back on snow, it had felt like I hadn't skied in forever. And as soon as I took that first run, it felt like I had skied just yesterday. How cool was it for both of you to have the top finish last week? It was super fun. It was really hard seeing Griffin miss out on last season, but like I couldn't, or I just knew that she was going to come back so strong, and it's no surprise that with all her hard work that she's doing so well right now. Yeah, last week was pretty special, right? I mean, both of you got the top finish. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, the men ran first, and I watch every one of Taggart's runs, and um, it is inspiring and exciting to see him ski every time in the good and the bad and when I get in the starting gate a lot of times I think of his run and what he did so um, it really just keeps the momentum going. Now being from Vail, Vail's known for skiing. Have you, have you been skiing since I mean like since you could walk? Oh definitely. <laughs> we actually grew up in another small mountain town in Colorado and so skiing's always been basically what we've grown up on same for you yeah exactly um we like tag said we grew up in telluride and um the name of the game there was powder ski all the time as hard as you can and um so it's it's a different environment out here Mm -hmm. and racing is at this level especially is years apart from like where we started but the same love is what keeps us going yeah, so the carnival circuit, what's it been like for you so far in terms of adjustment compared to what you were doing in high school and before that? Um, the carnival circuit is awesome because it's a really high level of ski racing. So it's really exciting, and it's the best of the best. Um, and the team environment is the biggest change, I would say, um, coming from just racing fist races and traveling around, you know, trying to do your own thing, being there with a team um, has really changed the game and is really a part of why it's so great in college. 
Obviously, the skiing schedule very busy. You don't get to ski right on campus. You have to go a little bit of ways. But it's uh, academically, how do you uh, balance the two? Um, it really is just that, a balancing yeah. act. you got to stay on top of your work all the time. And if you're not on top of it, you're getting behind it. So it's really work, 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 especially for these first six weeks of uh, carnival season. What's your approach to it? Um, I would say there's a lot of hustle involved. If you're not doing something, you better be. <laughs> Um, it's um, definitely where your priorities are at and what your plan is and executing that plan every step of the way whether it's training and then doing your homework and then doing your skis and then so, so you can train again every decision um, along the way is what adds up to you know your results or to your grades or to where you're going this is an alpine skiing uh, interview, so I'd be remiss without mentioning uh, Dinos being an Olympian. Oh, what was your reaction when you found out that he oh made the Olympic team for Cyprus? So exciting. And it was such a treat to get to watch him walk with the flag for Cyprus. Oh, awesome. They gave Bates a shout-out. Did you hear that? Yeah, I do. Of course. It's fun to hear. What was your reaction when you found out he made it? Um, it was really cool. And Watching him come out, like, that was an international audience. And to hear Bates, like, over that, you know, the NBC um, televised version of it was really cool because, you know, we were racing this, you know, we were at the race watching that happen. And um, it really felt like our family was in a lot of different places, but we were all headed in the right direction and doing, doing big things. Yeah, I got to interview Dinos on the phone, but you spent a lot of time with him last year, I'm sure. What's he like as a person? Oh, Dinos is such a great guy, super caring. He's always seems like he's the first one to uh, come say hi and come check in how you're doing after a tough run or after a tough day. Really a role model on the team. Excellent. Now, the Alpine skiing, obviously, it's men's team, women's team, but your scores combine. They combine with Nordic, so it all feels like one big team, right? Yeah, it definitely does. Um, it's really fun that we're all together because all of a sudden everyone matters like if you didn't have a good day like you still get to go up and watch your six men come down the course and make something happen and that whole aspect of it is really exciting great any other thoughts on the remainder of the season what you're hoping to see for everyone um yeah i mean we've got two more carnivals left and i think our potential is incredible anyone can have a great result on any day it's really anyone's game you got to love how the women's team, I mean, Hannah West has come in right away, made an impact with some really young talent, right? Yeah, our team is super young all together, and um, our women's team especially, we know we have the potential and we've seen the results that we can do big things and we can hang with the big schools. So um, it's really cool. We're really looking forward to this next two races. We're hoping to hang into the top three there. All right, Griffin Tag, thanks so much. Thank you. The number 18 nationally ranked women's squash team competes at Team Nationals this weekend, starting with Hamilton this Friday at Harvard University. Head coach Pat Kosker previews the weekend and talks about the rise of junior Christina Alexova, the reigning NASCAC player of the week. Christina's come on strong lately. Um, she actually uh, just beat Lutza in a challenge match on uh, yesterday, Saturday, Sunday. So, um, so she's going to play one for us, which is a which is uh, kind of a, a new development. Um, she hasn't played one since her first year. Mm -hmm. um, so I think they're excited. I mean, we're, we're we're going down to Boston. It's a familiar place. A lot of friends and family will be there. Some alums will be watching us. 
Um, rumor has it that Emma Dunn and Charlotte Cabot will be on hand to, to cheer on the Bobcats, so that's cool. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to winning the sea flight. So Christina uh, playing her best squash of the year right now. What have you seen from her in terms of how she's improved? Because I know she uh, she wasn't here in the fall, but she's obviously uh, risen from three now to one. Yeah, she she had a tough loss against Brown here in this building um, a few weeks ago, and I think that sort of sparked her to uh, to fight a little bit harder and play play a little bit better. Um, since then, I don't think she's lost the match, and she's beaten Vicky in a in a challenge match pretty convincingly, and then also beat Lutza. Um, in a challenge match. So she deserves to be at the top spot at this point. Um, and I think she's our strongest player at this point. But we'll we'll see. You know, we're going into a tough sea flight um, where where there's some good number ones and, and good tops of the ladders. And um, so everyone will have tough matches. But I, I, I'm confident that the women will win their three matches and, and come home with a trophy. So for those who don't know, the team nationals for squash are divided up into a flight top eight teams next eight are b flight next eight are c flight and so on and so forth how did that all develop i mean we don't have a forever here but give us a reason why they organize it like that uh i can't give you a reason why they organize that <laughs> i it keeps me up at night yeah. and i and i i wake up in cold sweats about it but um basically it started a long time ago back when before even i played squash here before we we you know, the modern era of squash, so to speak. But, um, yeah, I mean, there used to be fewer good teams. And so it used to be easier to, to delineate or differentiate between um, A-flight teams or AKA Ivy League teams and then everyone else. And so now we're in a situation where we have, you know, maybe 20, 25 good teams. And so it's it's a little bit more challenging to, to delineate between brackets. I think one of the issues that, that arises from – those brackets is that you you're sort of stuck in your bracket and you can't um for example for us we're 18th and we're we're the second seed in that c bracket but we've had really close matches against some some b flight teams uh brown gw middlebury um you know being a few williams being another one so um you know on paper we deserve to be in the c flight but i think mentality wise and skill level wise i think we're we're right there with a lot of b flight teams and it's frustrating to not be able to play them uh this week yeah it's interesting you have a chance to bring home a trophy like you did two years ago but you'd rather almost you know obviously be in the higher level so what are your what's the teammate team's thoughts on that yeah well we talked about it the other day we last year when we finished 15th so we finished seventh in the b flight you know, that was really exciting. We beat Middlebury to end the season, and, and we, you know, had some great pictures, and, and you know, the, the women felt really great about that. Um, two years ago, we finished 17th, uh, came home with a trophy, right. Right. <laughs> you know, a couple really awesome YouTube clips of winning and, you know, a, a plaque and the whole thing. And so it's a little bit of a head trip to, to you know, win a trophy at 17. Um, it, it's something we, we talk about in squash. I... I think um, in general, and I, I hate to diminish it, but, you know, there are – it's squash, right? So it's it's not the uh, the end of the world. However, um, I would rather finish 15th in the country and, and you know, maybe get less acclaim and, and um, one fewer trophy. Um, however, we're in that – we're in the situation now where we're playing for 17th. That's the best we can do, and so that's what we're going to go do. Great, great. And then you have a pair of first years who have been very good this year. They play kind of in the middle of the lineup – um, for those who don't know, tell us about them and how, how they've contributed. 
Yeah, Maeve O'Brien and Katie Monternock, they are great. Um, they're just sort of the heart and soul of our team at this point, and um, they're they're really getting better quickly, which is really great to see. That tends to happen with our first years in squash because we put them in this competitive environment with, with a couple better players and, and a really good atmosphere of, of you know some hard competition. Um, they're really spirited players. They've been playing each other for a long time, actually. They, they sort of played each other a, a few times in juniors and um, they're friends they're they're close and so that's cool um, but they're they're playing at five and six at this point and they're just winning you know they're, they're doing what they do they're they're energetic players um, they're fiery they're passionate um, they're fit as well and, and committed um, and it's just really cool to see them come in be able to contribute right away but also get better really quickly and and they have a really bright future here this has been kind of an interesting season for the women's team just because you were missing so many players in the fall. They come back after play Middlebury Williams right away. And after that, it seems like they really settled in and started to click a little bit. Well, have you seen the growth from this team so far? Yeah, we've been up and down, no question about it. It's been, it's been challenging, um, I think, emotionally more than anything else. I mean, squash, we've always we've, – we've been once, – once everyone sort of came back in January, we were a skilled team. But junior semester abroad really takes its toll – on our athletes, um, it, it's it's natural. You know, when they're away in the fall, you're not training for two hours a day with your teammates. You're not running. You're not doing the off-court stuff, and you're not thinking about squash necessarily. So, um, so it's it. And and we talked about this, you and I, in in September, or October, or November, that it might not be until February that we play our best squash as a team. And and you know, I think that a couple weeks ago we were there. Um, you know, the close loss to Middlebury. Last weekend at NESCAC, or two weekends ago, close another close loss to Middlebury. Um, some, as I said, some good matches against GW and Williams, and a really tight match against Brown. That's Brown, I think, is tenth, tenth or eleventh in the country right now. Um, so it's it's a little bit disappointing that we haven't had that one result that has put us into the B flight or, or shown maybe on paper that we are a really quality team. But the women know that, and I know that, and, and that's our message, that we, we're a really good team when we play well together. Um, and it's, it's tough. It's sort of the, the game within the game, so to speak, that there are 10 women out there, and when they all play well, um, you know, the team is really unstoppable. But it's hard for all 10 to play well on the same day, and that's sort of the, that's, that's the challenge of intercollegiate sports and, and team sports and individual sports like this, that – you know, it, it really takes a team effort. And I think we'll see that this weekend. Well, you must be pretty excited because, what, of your top ten players, you've got eight coming back next year, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I try not to think too far in advance. <laughs> know. Yeah. You know, things happen, <laughs> as we've seen. But on paper. But on paper, yes, definitely. We're, we're a young team. And, I, and honestly, I think that's one of, the, one of the, the results of sort of the up and down of this season and, and the emotion of this season that – that we're somewhat inexperienced, and I, I don't mean that in a bad way. I just think that you know they're they're young and they're learning how you know what to expect of me and what to expect of each other and and the level of competition, and that's that's how it goes. I mean that's that's the name of the game here and um, and in collegiate athletics in general, not just squash. Can you believe it? Baseball season is here. All the spring sports get practices underway Thursday. But it's the Bobcat baseball team that plays the first game, Sunday at Pomona Pitzer in Claremont, California. First pitch is set for 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Second-year head coach John Martin previews the season. We always talk about this, but you only get a couple practices before the first 
uh, regular season game of the year. And so what's going to be your emphasis on, for the team, especially the newcomers, in these couple days you have with them starting on the 15th? Well, we're excited to get outside and, and see the sunshine and, and the green grass. And, um, you know, we only have a couple practices, really, that, that we have to get ready. So I think for the most part um, – you know, the, the, the self-discipline for them to, to prepare themselves is important. But we're going to put in our signs and, and talk our, our offensive and defensive scheme and, and get out there and play. So, um, you know, what do I expect? I expect us to give a great effort every day we go out, uh, play one game at a time, um, play as a team. Let's, let's try some things out, see if they work, experiment a little bit. But... For the most part, you know, we're going to go out and play baseball and, and try to win one game at a time. Yeah, so this trip out to California, it's a really great chance for you probably to see what you've got in terms of different matchups and different situations, especially in terms of how you manage the bullpen and everything, right? Yeah, of course. I think some guys will, will be put in some spots to see how they can perform uh, to prepare us for the rest of the season. But, you know, these are these are regular season games, so we've got to go out and, and play competitive and, and, and hard-nosed baseball and, and, and try to win one game at a time. So you coached, obviously, Vassar for a number of years. Last year, your first year, though, as a head coach of the NESCAC, what were some takeaways you, you had from last season? The interesting thing, I think, about the NESCAC is that the, the, the season conference schedule is so short. We only play 12 games. So only a third of our games in our regular season are, are NESCAC games. So winning one game at a time is, is, is very important. You have to... Uh, uh, really go in and, and, and one series can determine what's what's going to happen the rest of the season. So um, each game is so individually important that um, you really have to put an emphasis on those 12 games of the season because that's going to dictate what happens the rest of the year. And last year you were able to sweep Colby and Bowden. I don't think that's been done uh, by the Bobcats ever in NESCAC play before last year. And so how cool was that to you know sweep your rivals there, even in some interesting conditions, right? It was great, yeah, definitely interesting conditions, cold, snowy. Um, but we, we did, that propelled us, you know, to get into the postseason. But at the same time, I mean, whether we're playing Kobe, Bowden, uh, Trinity, uh, Tufts, it doesn't matter. I mean, every game's important. So um, one weekend at a time. All three games, each one of them counts when you, when you look at it. So looking at the pitching staff, who um, we, we know some of the headliners, but Speed, Russell, he's back. Who are some other guys who you're looking to step up pitching-wise? Speed and Russell for sure. I mean, they're two experienced starters, veteran starters. Um, I think they're as good on the mound when they have their good stuff as, as anybody in the league. Um, I'm looking for some other pitchers, I would say. Jake Shapiro, uh, big left-hander, hard-throwing left-hander to come in and close some games out for us. Um, and then we'll see who, who else could be in, in a, a possible starter as well. Um, I think we've got Justin Foley, who's a veteran returner. Um, Nolan Collins is another one, um, young, young, hard-throwing right-hander. So I think we've got some good options and, and also some good, uh, good options out of the bullpen as well. Well, one guy, uh, Brendan Smith, uh, he, he came on strong last year, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Brendan's done a good job. He's uh, kind of a wiry, loose-arm, um, right-hander. Um, good velocity, throws a good breaking ball or a good uh, good splitter. Um, you know, I think he's got a lot of potential as well. So we've we've got we've got a good staff and a, and a good number of guys that can go out and, and get the job done. You guys had a lot of low scoring, close games last year. From an offensive perspective, who are some guys who are looking to step up offensively to to get some uh, more runs across the plate, if you will? Right, and, and I, I think it's it's. It's going to be more of um, can we can we do the little things to get the job done? I think we got plenty of talent. 
I think um, some of our returners, um, Asher McDonald, Will Sylvia, uh, Dan Truly, um, some of these guys, you know, they 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 know what they're to expect, and they know they know that they've got to prepare themselves. But can we can we run the bases well? Do, are we going to get good dirt ball reads? Are we going to get bunts down? Um, can we execute hit and runs? Like those are the things that we're going to have to do uh, to put some more runs up on the board that that maybe we 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 fell short of a little bit last year. The talent's there. We're going to hit some balls hard. We're going to hit some gaps. But we've got to execute a little bit more offensively, and I think we're we're ready to do that. Now, the first year class, did you recruit these guys? Were they already coming to base before? Was there a mix there? No, most of these guys are, are, are all guys that, that we recruited and we brought in. Um, you know, a little short amount of time to, to kind of make the, the changeover because I didn't get really get here until September. So, um, But they're all guys that, that we were able to pick up within the timeline that we had to work with, and um, they're quality players. I think we've got um, a couple young arms that, that in this class that are good. I think we've got... Um, you know, a good young catcher, and I think we've got a couple infielders that can definitely play. So um, I think we've we've got some good pieces to kind of fit in, uh, mixed in with, with a great sophomore class and then some good junior and senior veterans as well. And so that's another value of that California trip, right, is the first year to get their first taste of college baseball. It does, and it's good to kind of get the spikes dirty and get them out there. And, um, and then we come back, you know, after we play six games and kind of regroup a little bit and take a little time to kind of uh, – you know, reevaluate, reassess some things, uh, communicate, prepare a little differently if we need to, and then uh, get ready for our first games back in New England. Yeah, and speaking of that, you know, scheduling is one of your big jobs, sort of, right in the off season, like getting games for you guys to play. Right? Yeah, it is, and and we've got a tough schedule this year. We've got a good schedule. I think we've got some good teams in New England, um, and I, I I look for us to be challenged the entire year. But at the same time. You know, if we uh, if we we do the little things and we get our job done, I think uh, I think we'll come out on the on the good side of it. Any adjustments you're making from a coaching perspective based on what you learned from last season? Um, I want to motivate these guys a little bit more. I think I think I want to. I, I think getting getting just getting there last year maybe wasn't enough, and um, I want them to know that that's an expectation that we playoff baseball is, is going to be an expectation of mine. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I. I I need to find a different way to kind of light a fire, and that's kind of my job. You know, my job as a coach, I think, when it comes to game time, is to motivate and prepare. And um, so I've got to find some kind of techniques as we get going here to motivate these guys so that they're hungry throughout the next two and a half months. All right, last question for you. Any other thoughts on maybe what you're most excited to see out there in California this upcoming week? The sun, <laughs> for one. Um, right. the, the temperatures each day, yeah. Um, I'm just excited to play baseball. I think this is more valuable preparing us for the rest of our season um, than it would be to stay here and practice indoors for sure. So we got some good opponents. We start off on Sunday with Pomona, and um, we're going to go out and try to play the best baseball we can. All right, John Martin, thanks so much. Thank you. Go Bobcats. Next time on the Bates Bobcast, we'll recap the NESCAC championships for the women's swimming team and preview the NESCAC championships for the men's swimming team. Plus, we'll get you ready for the tennis and lacrosse seasons. All that and more next time on the Bates Bobcast. (laughs) 